All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Two Many Hobbies Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Althorpe. This week's guest, Jared Smith, coming from Old Lakeshore Charters out of Huron, Ohio. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, anytime. You've been a big supporter of my videos and everything for years now. Yeah, yeah, it's always good content, good stuff. I appreciate it. I remember when we met each other at the boat ramp and you recognized just my boat coming in and I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> and there he is, the one and only. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, so let's uh let's get into a little bit about who you are, how you kind of started with the charter and uh how the charters kind of evolved now. I mean it's p- turned into quite the operation you've got going on. Yeah, it uh, it wasn't planned, you know. So um, I, a little bit of backstory, you know. I, obviously, I, I grew up fishing for a long time as a kid. You know, I fished with my dad, my brothers, all that, my grandpa. You know, we fished and fished. And then I was a teenager, so I had some buddies that started hunting, so I got into that. So I've always kind of done the outdoorsy uh, type thing or whatever. And, uh, oh, gosh, I, I've been at the Huron Fire Department since 2008 full time. And uh, honestly, man, I never even caught a walleye before I started there. Like, I was a bass fisherman, cat fisherman, you know, just a river kid, just played in the river and, and whatnot. But I met that guys, and they they took me out on the lake a couple of times, and I said, oh, man, this is, you know, pretty sweet. So, you know, they taught me how to, how to catch walleye and perch and things like that, and a lot of good friends along the way through there. And I, a couple of years went by, and I said, man, I need to figure out something when I'm done here. You know, we do 25 years and you can retire. And at the time I had about 17 years left to go. And I'm like, man, I, I probably should figure out a retirement setup, you know, something to get me out of here. The captain on my shift, his dad was a charter captain, Captain Park, Captain Park's charters. And I, I called him up and said, hey, man, you know, I'm thinking of this. Can I just tag along? You know, can I see if this is something that that is cool? I like to fish. At the time, I didn't even do the hunting. Um He's like, yeah, of course, come on. He was super awesome. Took me along. You know, I first made it a couple of times, just tagged along and whatnot. And uh, man, after a couple of times, he's like, yeah, you should you should probably do your own. You, you, you would be just fine. So he helped me get my captain's license. He helped me figure out boats. You know, he taught me a ton of stuff along the way. And I started my business in uh, 2016. So Park, Captain Park helped me get a uh, 30-foot sport craft. That's what I started with. And uh, we've been we've been in every inch of that boat fixing it. Still more to fix, engines left and right. Um, so I did that for a couple years, you know. And that I just did the fishing. Captain Alex, who was not a captain at the time, came on board, first made it for me. I think in seventeen, he started first made a couple of years, you know. And uh, then in I think twenty twenty, yeah, it would have been twenty twenty. He got his captain's license, so we picked up a 21-foot sport craft, and, or I'm sorry, 21-foot star craft, and uh, rigged it up for fishing for him. He kind of started along, and uh, he's been going on his own for a while. This year, we bought that 2022 um, Hughes craft, that 20-foot Hughes craft that he fished out of. Two years ago, we added a 23-foot uh, center console that Captain Phil came on and runs that for us. Phil also does some steelhead stuff and things like that. I still got the 30 Sport. So we got the 30 Sport, the 23 Century, and the 20-foot Hughescraft now. 
Um, and my wife says we're we're done buying boats for a hot minute here. As you know, those that know me, starting to we're starting to try to build our house, and I promised her a house before another boat. So I'm kind of stalled out on growth right now. Um, with the three boats we got, it keeps us pretty busy. And um, you know, I a lot of friends along the way to get me going. You know, like I said, it, it has exploded a little more than what I planned on. Um, but when Alex came along, it was kind of a time to grow and then Phil came along so it was even more time to grow and um you know we we started just I wasn't going to do the hunting and then when I had my daughter in 2018 I really didn't duck hunt at all that whole winter I just kind of stayed home on my days off from the fire department and uh you know hung out with her and I to be honest with you I kind of missed the duck hunting um you know it was great being home but I really missed that duck hunting so uh I guess it would have been in 2019 I bought an 18-foot StarCraft, rigged it up, had my buddy John build a blind, and uh, had the Amish guy canvas it, you know, and my buddy Ed helped me get some things going along the way. And we hunted out of that for one year. I quickly realized it was smaller than I wanted. Uh, I came across a 21-foot StarCraft, so then, you know, that was the boat Alex ran fishing. So we bought that, rigged that out, ran that for a couple of years. And then, you know, now, of course, we, we hunt out of the Hughescraft, which is a, a much better platform. It's a very nice laid out boat um, for fishing and hunting. It's just been been a very good buy. We got that through Erie Marine. They were awesome. And, uh, yeah, so I, I don't think we're going to add any more duck boats for a hot minute. Uh, certainly not going to add any more fishing boats. But um, that's kind of it. You know, we, we fish. Uh, we don't fish year round. Uh, you know, obviously, when ice comes, we shut down. But Phil fishes pretty much year-round. He's on some steelhead trips now, doing really well. Alex is done fishing. He takes a couple months off to hunt, but as soon as hunting season's over, you know, he's he's back ready to go. And so usually about March, we, we pick it back up and run as many days as we can get in on Lake Erie, you know, with the wind and stuff. But that that's basically, you know, what it's become. I mean, it's been a very successful endeavor for you i mean every time that somebody posts on a waterfowl page asking for lake erie guides you're always on there people are always requesting your business referring you to new clients and i mean it just says a lot about you and the operation that you run yeah i mean i'm pretty fortunate for the clients that we have you know they're very good to me um you know and when i when i started this captain park kind of told me he's like you know, this is this is a little bit more than just taking people fishing. And I said, you know, kind of, kind of how so. And he's like, these people become your friends. You know, we talk, I talk to uh, God. They send me pictures all the time. We talk all the time. You know, holidays, birthdays. I mean, it really is. You know, it, it is. It has become more than just fishing and hunting for me. You know, I spend a lot of time with these people. Um, you know, a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time out, and you know, do in the outdoors doing what we love. So. I'm pretty fortunate for the following we have. You know, we, we work hard for people and, and everybody's a great captain and, and works really hard for them. But the people for sure that I have are, are second to none, no doubt. Yeah. And this is your, so this will be, this is your sixth year running. Uh, I started in 2016. So you yeah. got to do the math. Tell people I got <laughs> not in mathematics. So, but I, but, but yeah, man, we, um, you know, we run, I don't even know how many fishing trips, you know, we're, we're not as big as some of the guys, I don't run as many, you know, I, it's not a full-time job. Well, it's not supposed to be a full-time job, but, um, 
keeping the boats going, all the behind the scenes stuff, it, it is a lot of time. But we we run probably 150 fishing trips, give or take, between me, Alex, and Phil. And then, uh, you know, I got a couple of buddies that take some overflow and help me out and run second boats and things like that. You know, we, we base our main marina out of Channel Grove and Marblehead. And, uh, you know, there's some top-notch people in there. You know, I tell everybody it's the best marina on the entire lake. I don't care what marina you're in. It's not as good as Channel Grove. The people in there would do anything for you. They have stayed up late nights helping me fix boats before trips. Um, they have taught me so much about fishing, casting, trolling. There's phenomenal guys of both in there. And it's just, it's a good marina. They're very good people. Um, and they've been very good to me, so... Well, and I don't think a lot of people fully understand, like, as a guide, especially doing fishing and hunting trips, like, there's so much behind the scenes that go on. I mean, like, just in the short time that I've known you, like, switching out one duck boat for another boat, like, that's a big thing, especially to make sure that, like, it's ready for ducks and for fishing, but it's safe for your clients, it's comfortable for your clients. I mean, you're putting... uh you know, burners in there and all this stuff to like, to, to cook food. I mean, there's a lot that goes on with that. I mean, even just making a grocery trip to get food for clients is like, you know, that's an hour out of your day just doing that. I don't think a lot of people fully understand, like there's, there's a lot that goes into this. And when you're running something basically year round for game, you know, for sport and, you know, there's so much into it. And I think that's just like, it says a lot about you and what you're running there that you have so many returning clients and people are referring you. And it just goes to show that like, I mean, even with your job too, that you're a busy guy. Yeah, I, I stay pretty busy. Um, you know, I got, I get a lot of help. Alex and Phil both help do a lot of the boat prep. Um, Alex does quite a bit of stuff on the Hughescraft um, and he did on the Starcraft as well. You know, he really treats it like it's his own, Phil's the same way. Um, you know, they're both great. They do help out a lot on a lot of that stuff, but I mean, it, it is busy. It's a lot of time away from family. You know, I'm pretty fortunate. My wife is, uh, about as good as they come, you know, as far as supporting me and tolerating it. I mean, she gets annoyed like everybody else, uh, everybody else would for the, the phone calls, the emails, you know, it's a lot of phone time. It's a lot of, you know, checking up with people, you know, grocery runs, um, you know, on the duck hunting trips, we do cook. I have a two burner stove and an oven on that boat, which is, you know, a big hit. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool eating sausage, gravy and biscuits when it's zero degrees out or whatever it was the other day, you know, 21 felt like nine, you know, and then we got the heaters on the boat. So it, it's, it's quite the endeavor. Um, but like I said, man, my dad has helped me uh, prep some boats, fix some boats. Um, he's not really a boater, but he's always willing to help. My father-in-law, David, you know, same thing. Them them two guys helped me uh, two years ago. I was hurting for time, and they just, they didn't even hesitate. So, you know, it, it is a lot for me, but I'm pretty fortunate to have so much help, you know, with with everything. A lot of guys have helped, you know, along the way, so. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I had Matt on here, Matt Huckabee um, yep. from Huckeye Charters, and he kind of talked about, you know, similar things that he's had to deal with. You know, he's kind of stepped back from the actual, you know, day-to-day -day guiding portion of it. But, I mean, you guys have the same, you know, phone time, emails, all that stuff. They're handling scheduling. You're handling scheduling and day-to-day -day stuff. Like, there's 
there's a lot that goes on for Lake Erie guiding. It's it's cool to be friends with you guys and see it behind the scenes, knowing that's something that I definitely couldn't do. But um, there's just so many people that you wouldn't really expect that many people to want to come up to Lake Erie to target birds. But there's a lot of people that just want to get on certain divers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, You know, I have a lot of Southern Ohio clients that you know they don't have that opportunity i guess you know like everything else just like the walleye fishing you know you kind of take it for granted you know and, and growing up i mean i grew up i don't know 20 minutes from the lake i grew up in monroeville you know i never fished on the lake we didn't have boats i had like a you know inflatable raft maybe a little old john boat you know and when i started just fun fishing i had a little 14 foot uh aluminum boat and i actually bought a motor off a of park it was a 1956 Evanrude outboard 15 horse and uh you know we i started fishing in that and all the guys at work you know crack jokes call it the river pickle you know look like a turd floating down the river and and whatnot and, um you know but it was it was a good start you know it got me going and and uh you know it it definitely didn't i didn't expect it to turn into this you know i and i started hunting with some other friends of mine but you know who would have thought you know I'm booked out on on our duck hunts for the year, and obviously I can't hunt as many days as some of the other guys. But I think we did 35 duck hunts this year. Um, I took a lot of vacation time at work. They were pretty good, you know. As far as you know, it's our vacation time, but it's still, you know, you got to schedule it and work around, and and it worked out very well. But um, yeah, I mean, who who would have thought? You know, I didn't even know. You know. I had no idea that even being a guide as a fishing guide on Lake Erie was a thing growing up. And uh, my stepmom's uh, cousin has done it forever from Channel Grove. You know, they used to own it and it's crazy. So. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys are all over the place. I mean, like you've come down our way for fishing and hunting. Um, yeah. You know, you're spanning basically the whole Western Basin, but then you guys end up in Lorraine for fishing. How yeah. does that change with the year? Like, how how are you guys managing where you're going to be every, you know, start of the season, switching different seasons, following fish, ducks? You know, how does that look as far as like scouting, but also like making those decisions to move? Um. So I I originally when I first started, I was going to follow fish from from down west i bought the boat uh from down a guy down in wild wings area so i ran a month out of there and then i was just going to move every year and follow the fish down through from you know wild wings to marblehead to huron because huron's like 10 minutes north of where i live so i was just going to finish my year there well i got to channel grove and i i didn't want to leave so we stayed there and you know for years we could perch fish and not really have to move and then of course fuel went through the roof and uh I had an opportunity to move the big boat down to Lorraine this year. So I gave it a shot and man, the people down there were awesome to me as well. They were super cool. They took me right in. Um, my dock partner, Brad down there was an incredible dude. He, I mean, he helped me out a ton, kept an eye on the boat, you know, and uh, I fished down there. And of course, you know, I moved down there and the fish stay around the islands and then the perch came back. So I kind of missed that. I don't think I'll move back down to Lorraine again. Um, it was, it was cool. I liked it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good time, but, um, you know, it was, it was time to, time to kind of, 
you know, make that decision when I made it. Um, and it, it worked out. It was okay. But, um, you know, I, I don't think we'll do that next year. Now, Alex, he runs the Hughes Craft, so it trailers. And um, he can pretty much go wherever. So it's a little different for him um, because he's able to kind of move with the fish. We have a huge network of fishermen that we work with. Um, you know, you you know, all kinds of people that I talk to. I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many people we network with. It's probably 60 to 100 different people we can reach out across the state. So, you know, that's really what what it's all about, you know, in the charter game is, is however big your network is, is usually is part of your success. And I've been fortunate that we have a pretty big network. Small yeah. Boat, big boat guys, you know, it's it's just incredible. They've all been super helpful. Well, I mean, that's like the cool part about not just fishing and but hunting as well is, you know, there's so many sportsmen out there. And like you said, networking is such a big part of just like learning and being able to adjust on the fly. You know, if somebody gives you some intel, then you can use that to your advantage. Like everybody can be nice and they can be helpful and obviously you run into people that don't want to give spots or uh scouting reports or whatever um but that kind of intel and that kind of uh camaraderie networking like that's a huge thing in in these especially in the game that you're in but just for sportsmen in general sure yeah and i i have a lot of clients that book a trip or two a year with us and have their own boat and, you know, they, they always reach out and I always give them the best info I can. You know, if it's my spot, I certainly give them, you know, right down to the GPS numbers. If it's not my spot, then, you know, sometimes that hot bite or whatever, I got to be a little bit more, you know, general. But, you know, I'm always willing to help people that we have and that, that reach out. Um, you know, I try to post reports when we can to help, you know, people that aren't, you know, in my network, I guess, if you want to call it or, or whatever it's tough sometimes to keep up. It's just tough to keep up with it. You know, by the time I get home, I don't want to put together a huge long report usually, but, um, you know, it, it, it's really, that's really what it's about is the big network that really helps as far as moving where fish are, knowing where fish are. Um, and we cast and troll and do some jig fishing as well. So we kind of do a little bit of everything, you know, on that part the duck hunting is a little bit more secretive you know as you know most guys you know there's only so many spots yeah to hunt so you know luckily i got a good network of some great captains and if people have reached out to me you know for duck hunts i always refer the same the same guides every time i got a list of you know all of them and i just send the numbers and hope that they call you know one of the other guides that are also top notch you know everybody up here i think is is uh you know, a great guide. Most of them are really good with people, you know, fishing and hunting both. And, um, you know, it, it's just a cool resource that we have up here. And I just want as many people to enjoy it as possible. I mean, I'd love if everybody would book with us, but, you know, it, you only got so many days and so many guys. So, right. Yeah, it can make it really tough, especially when you're like, like you said, you're, you're working still and like mm -hmm. your days are fairly limited during duck season to be able to guide and take people out but it's just cool that you're able to give those people those experiences like i've taken people out for their first diver hunts you know dozens of times now and yeah. every time they go out there they're just like mind blown like oh this is what it's all about 
Like it's cool in the area that we are that you can hit puddle ducks and divers on the same bodies of water and oh. you can target them in, you know, a few different ways. You can lay out hunt, you can shore hunt, you can marsh hunt. You know, there's just so many different uh like terrains, I guess you could say. Right. But it is also probably one of the most dangerous bodies of water in the United States. Yeah, we um I don't know if I told you or not, but we were in the Maumee a couple of weeks ago on a heavy fog day. Uh it was the same day you guys were out. I was I, out, I, yep. We almost got hit by a tugboat. Like really close. 30 foot, it felt like it might have been farther, but it it was too close. Yeah. So oh, it's, yeah. it's for sure dangerous. You know, there's rocks, there's shallows, you know, older boats sometimes. I mean, it's it's definitely a dangerous, dangerous place, no doubt. Yeah, it's one of those things that like, I mean, safety is always your top priority when you're guiding people. But like people on like, I don't say like real foot lake, that's not a huge place. You know, the difference is the the vast amount of water that we have, number one. But you've also got, you know, down by us, it's shallow. So when the wind kicks up, the waves kick up quick, too. And so you got to be able to read the water and say, it's time to go or eh, the wind can pick up and we'll be okay where we're at and we can make it in safely. But have you noticed any difference in the, the star craft to your Hughes craft of like handling waves and things like that? Um, I personally think the Hughes craft rides deeper in the water. Um, The star craft tended to kind of float on top, you know, it was a little bit lighter. So it seemed like it kind of float a little more. Um, the Hughescraft feels a little bit wet, more of a wet ride, uh, especially as the driver. Um, but man, it's a cool boat. It's fast on a flat day. It's, it's so fast. It's so fast. It gets out of the hole quick with that Mercury 115 on it. Um, I would like to get a little bit bigger down the road, a little wider. It's only, I think 84 or 86. So it, it's the basic layout that I did on the Starcraft. You know, this is probably the fourth or fifth duck boat I've rigged out. So, um, you know, it got, got a little better with every time I've, I've figured a few things out. Um, but I would say the Hughescraft rides better, but different. Okay. I guess is how I would put it. And, um, you know, it's a welded, it's a welded boat, which I really wanted. I was tired of fixing rivets. You know, that Starcraft was an old boat for us. It was, you know, it was just, it was a great boat, you know, and I had it rigged out nice. We had a nice engine on it, but, um, you know, it was time to, time to get something a little bit different, mostly for Alex, um, fishing wise, you know, something that was a little more worry-free than having to fix a rivet that leaked here or leaked there. It was just a little easier. Yeah, I mean that huge craft, the layout on it's great. I remember you showing me the Starcraft when I met you and yeah. how you had that boat rigged out. It's so crazy to see your layout compared to like my layout on my boat. Just because my I mean mine's a personal boat. Mine sure. isn't there to to appease clients, but in your opinion, what is the best thing that you've had that you've had to do or that you've done that has been, you know, better for clients in your boat as opposed to somebody who has just a personal boat like me oh something better um i i keep everything in the same exact spot every single trip so you know basically i can i can close my eyes and tell you where every single thing is in that boat 
Uh, and that for me guiding, that makes it much easier to help direct clients because I let them set, they don't have to, but pretty much everybody wants the full experience. You know, they want to set decoys. Um, they usually want to pick them up. Of course, when it's cold or something like that, nobody wants to. So, you know, we just do the best we can on what we got, but, um, you know, everybody wants to help. They want to learn, you know, people want to learn, you know, they want to learn the ways and a lot of people we've taught and they've gone and done their own thing. And, and that's fine too. You know, I didn't, I didn't start as a diver hunter. You know, I, I was a puddle duck guy, you know, even on the main lake, you know, I, I preferred to shoot mallards. I still prefer to shoot mallards, but, um, when I started the guiding, you know, I quickly realized that divers is what people were looking for. So, you know, with the help of a few other guys, Matt, I probably bugged Matt all the time asking him questions about divers and stuff, because, you know, I, I was still trying to learn some of that too. You know, and I still learn it, but, you know, it's a little different, a different game, you know, I guess, than just throwing out, you know, mallard decoys. There's some some little subtle things and things like that in different locations. Um, but that that layout, having everything in the same spot every single time with no change, and I'm sure some of the clients will tell you I'm, I can be a little bit uh, OCD about how I like my stuff. Uh, <laughs> But it's so that the next group gets the best experience they can. You know, I, I don't want the next group to come on the boat and, you know, long lines are tangled and then, you know, they're having a hard time getting them out. And I'm frustrated because they're not coming out. So so that's kind of why I run a pretty tight ship as far as that goes. You know, no pun intended. But yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about it before when I when I talk about like the videos that I've done when I'm talking about like setting long lines and stuff like that in the bags, like that's something personally for me that I feel like it has to be the same way every time or it's not yeah. going to work the way that I want it to. So I totally understand that. I think it's uh, the biggest difference for me seeing like your guys' style of hunting because you, you do mostly boat hunts. I hunt shore. Yeah. And so like I just kind of use it as a transport of getting things out there. And uh, I mean, it's not as comfortable as sitting in the boat, but like that's the difference, I think, between my 20 foot boat and your 20 foot boat is that you have spots for like everybody to sit. You can sit four people in there and then sit in the blind. And like that's that's a cooler experience, I think, for somebody coming up here, going on a guided hunt to say like, oh, yeah, we were on the big lake and we were just sitting in a boat like that's pretty right. cool. We have we have got people out of the boat before and hunted the same you know the same shoreways, um, but to be honest, it sucks because then you know I got to sit with them and we cook. So you know, I got to sit yeah. with them, which is great until I got to cook or until you know I got to go get the boat to go chase birds. Then it's it's not so much fun. So keeping everybody in the boat is number one. It's safer for me because I can keep eyes on every single person, um, and uh, you know it just keeps everybody together. It's safer. I keep an eye on the boat. There's no issues with that. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, I, I love duck boats and, uh, it's probably a weird fascination, but you know, I, I could look at a million different duck boats and everyone is great. You just, it works for what you use it for. You know, I don't do the layout hunts. We don't even offer it. Um, but you know, for your boat, I mean, how you got it laid out for what you hunt, that that's all you need. You know, there's, right. there's nothing you know, nothing wrong with that for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I use it since I bass fish. Like, it works out perfectly for me. I've got the front deck that I can fish off of. I actually put another deck in the back during fishing season. And, like, there's so many, like you said, there's so many different things that you can do. I mean, when our mutual friend, Brian Evans, he was on the show this year. And we talked about duck boats for an hour. Like, there's just so many different things that you can do. And, actually, he has the same style blind that you have. You you referred him to the person that made your blind and like that is such a it's such a cool blind like if anybody even came up here like just for a hunt the most of that experience is being able to hunt in a blind like that like it's so nice it's a great layout that uh john danda is the one who makes that for me and um you know he's made well he made one for my 18 and then when i bought the 21 he just cut it and stretched it and added to it and then of course he made this one for my hues um and, what, you know, when I had that StarCraft, we just drilled holes through it, you know, 40-year-old StarCraft boat. You know, what's two more holes? So we just drilled holes and mounted it. Well, when I had this Hughes, you know, I really want to do it right and not put a million holes. So I had um, Russ Malicki of Fine Tune Welding. He made some tracks and some track mounts for it. So I, there's nothing – there's no extra holes on it, you know. So it That's just, super nice. Dude, it's awesome. It sits right on the track and it's just, you know, a half moon clamp. It just clamps right over the rail. And, you know, of course, I had the same Amish guy do the canvas for me um, down in Ashland there. And he does a great job. It's it's a very nice layout. The, the blind is great. It works really well. We can shoot puddle ducks and divers with it um, because we have that flip top. That flip top keeps all them eyes off of you looking down that boat. And uh, the way it sits, it's, it doesn't really create that black hole of death like you get in some layouts. Not layout boats, but layouts, you know, of the boat blind and stuff. And it it's just keeps everybody dry. It keeps everybody covered. And, uh, you know, people love that blind. I don't know if they love it as much as the breakfast, but they, they do love the blind. <laughs> A good blind breakfast is really hard to beat. It's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, it's pretty hard to beat. And um, if that's you know, that, the, if that's your like main thing, I think you'd sell quite a pe- quite a few people just on a blind breakfast alone. I think people come just for the breakfast. To be honest with you, I think a few people <laughs> could care less about shooting birds. They they usually start bugging me about eight eight thirty, like when we starting to eat here. So that's fantastic. Of the clients that you guys have come up, what do you think is the like? the the most popular bird that people want to shoot um you know a lot of people always ask for the canvas backs the redheads and the golden eyes um i did have i don't know if you've seen that post but i had a guy the other day that had been trying to shoot a buffy for 30 years he's been hunting for 30 years hadn't killed a buffy and he's been with i did see that three years three years he's hunted with me and every year the day before the day after we absolutely you know they're everywhere you know, but every time for his hunt, he just it didn't work, man. The wind pushed me into places they weren't at, you know, or whatever it was. And uh, so, you know, he was looking for a buffy. He's the only guy I've ever had that was, you know, dying to get a buffy. But he he got some nice ones, did a nice block, do it right. And uh, so I was happy for that. But a lot of people want those cans. And I tell everybody, you know, you know, I'm going to go duck hunting. And if we got them, we got them. You know, I, I can't I can't predict it. You know, I'd love to shoot limits of, you know, all those cool ducks every single time, but it just, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, depends on where you are, depends on time of the year, but, you know, everybody wants the, the can, you know, and 
we don't shoot at many. And to be honest with you, most of the clients uh, that we've had the shots at those cans, they have missed, you know, too far, weren't ready, whatever it was. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, you know, shooting them divers, it's not, it's not super easy, you know? No. So it takes a little bit of learning curve to get those big leads down. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. And if you haven't, you certainly should, whether it's with me or, you know, somebody else, find a friend, you know, call Brian, he'll take you, you know, somebody, <laughs> somebody. Cool do. It just to see how many come in and then flying in the distance, you know, it's just, it's a great hunt. It really is. Yeah. It's a, uh, I always tell people it's like shooting a bulletproof teal. It's crazy. Crazy. Like they come in fast, they come in low, and I mean, if you, it, it's it's a big learning curve to lead them right. I mean, a puddle duck that just comes in and floats there, easy, uh, easy to yeah. an extent. For somebody that's like, that's really seasoned on shooting divers and leading them and all that. Once you start start shooting puddle ducks, it's kind of like taking a step back. For sure. For sure. That, that's a very good way to put it. I never heard of it like that, but I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind at all. Go for it. Yeah, take that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. We hit the other day. I'm not kidding. Probably nine or 10 times. I watched him get hit and he just flew away like it was nothing. Didn't even phase yep. a little tiny. I watched these guys just destroy it and he kept going. I don't know what he had on, but it, it was blocking shells. So. It's crazy. We had a herd of merganser last weekend that we shot, and it landed. It was looking like it was going to roll over, and then it just got up and flew away like nothing ever happened to it. I, they must have the toughest skin ever. I don't know how they do it. I really don't. It's a, it's just such a cool thing. Like you said, if, if, if anybody hasn't experienced it, and it's something that you've been wanting to do, I think that's what's cool about having guides up here. I mean, it's not like the mecca of duck hunting. Like anybody wants, you know, most people want to go, you know, die, like see duck hunting or go to Arkansas for, for mallards and all this crazy stuff. But it is cool that we have such a great resource here and people like you that are, that are able to, to make a living of it and experience, show people the experience of diver hunting, I just think is fantastic. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's it's such a cool place. For sure, it's there are other places with more birds, no doubt. Um, but for Ohio, it, it can be pretty good. I mean, it can be watching a lot of seagulls as well some days. You know, when it's 80 degrees out in December, like it has been a couple of times, it's tough. Um, but man, when it's right, it, there's not much better. Yeah. I mean, I could probably sit here and talk about duck hunting all day, but I do want to touch on a, a, a lot of the walleye fishing too, because I don't think that there's a lot of people that, I mean, people know that it's the walleye capital of the world, but like to be able to switch from duck hunting to walleye fishing, I mean, because you guys are running until the end of December and then probably switching right at the beginning of the year over to walleye. What does that look like for you guys as far as like getting boats ready and uh, trying to figure out like what the what the bite is going to be at the beginning of the season? Yeah, so well, I'll start in we'll start January um, and then we'll run through, you know, back to December. But so in January um, last year, I got 
I got had a couple clients kind of push me. They wanted some January goose field hunts. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to have some private access that, that great farmers that let me on or whatever. So I did just a couple. People loved it. So now starting in this January, of course, like everything else, you know, we've added more. So I think I have, I don't know, nine or ten January goose field slash pond hunts. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to have a few places to go. Um, we got a couple of those hunts in January. I don't have anything in February. We are basically scrambling come February to get mostly the sport craft ready. That that boat has taken me every year months of winter work. I used to do heated storage and it was really nice, but it was 35 minute drive one way. So um, this year we're going to do outside storage. Hopefully it works. Um, you know, like I said, we sold our house, so we're trying to build, trying to build a shop, but that's all kind of on pause right now. So. Come February, hopefully it's hopefully it's like 65 and and sunny and uh, not like it has been the last couple of years um, because I got some work to do. So we prepped the sport craft. The center console is good to go. Um, that shouldn't need much. And uh, you know Alex's boat, we'll take it to his place. We'll pull the blind. We'll load the fishing gear back on it. So we need a couple of days. I think we got that boat pretty well laid out to where basically. In a few hours, we can take all the hunting stuff off, uh, clean it up, you know, get it ready for fishing, put the fishing stuff on, and he's good to go. Um, you know, we don't have to break in the motor like we did last year and the year before because we bought, you know, two new motors on two different boats in the previous two years. So that kind of delayed us a little bit. But starting in March, we usually start booking trips for Alex. Uh, he usually does, you know, big fish, trolling, the slow speed stuff, you know, crankbaits. Uh, that's kind of Alex's skill set. He really likes the spring fishing. He would run every trip in March, April, and May, I think, if if he could. Um, but he fishes from March through September, and then he's done fishing. I fish from April through the end of September, and then I switch to duck hunting. Phil is kind of the only guy we got that's just fishing. He will literally fish any day he can he just he's ate up with it steelhead bass walleye he doesn't care he just wants to go fishing um so that you know that's kind of the start we we do it's kind of as soon as goose season is done in january for me you know we go 100 miles an hour trying to get everything you know rigged ready you know fishing rods i mean my god there's i don't even know how many fishing rods each boat has but all that stuff takes time you gotta change hooks you gotta replace gear you broke you know uh, engines need serviced uh, my sport craft has a new engine being built for it right now after the last year i went through four engines in that boat uh, it was a disaster of an engineer we had a lot of problems but you know the nice thing about them big boats they're pretty easy to put motors in and i got a lot of good friends that have helped me do it so you know they taught me stuff and they still help whenever i ask so we'll we'll be gangbusters and I'll start fishing in April, Alex in March and and Phil's probably we probably won't book anything in January, February unless we get, you know, one of them weird years with a ton of open water. Um but the last couple of years we've had a good cold freeze in January, which is important for the lake. So you let it happen and come March everybody's itching to get back out, you know. And then at the end of uh at the beginning of September, Alex is done and then uh you know, it's time to switch over to duck hunting and, and do it all over again. Now, this year we had to rig that Hughes craft out fully for ducks. So I was really down to the wire for the October 15th opener. 
Um, I got the same guys for opener every single year. We got a little spot we go to. Uh, it's wood duck pretty much only little spot we we kind of sneak up into um so luckily that's a pretty easy trip as far as prep you know it's minimal decoys but hopefully i don't i don't want to buy another boat this year and rig it out it's it was a lot of time so we'll uh we'll swing into duck season and then i always run my duck season through uh when the when my wife and daughter go on school uh winter break i stop and i take two weeks off um, I always tell my wife, you know, two weeks, no work. I work in the fire department at that time, but I don't do any trips or anything like that. I really try to limit, I really try to limit, you know, working on boats and, and fixing things. And I can usually last about five days. And after that, I start getting a little stir crazy. And uh, I start tinkering with stuff when, when people nap, when they go to bed, I start, you know, rigging stuff up just because, you know, I, I haven't fished in months. And as soon as we can fish, I want to fish. So it's a full year. I really don't have any, you know, real time off anymore. As far as, you know, when I started fishing, we were off, you know, November. I, back then I used to fish through October. So I'd be off November, December, you know, January, February, March, but that, that doesn't exist anymore. So <laughs> it, uh, it's pretty much around anymore. We're either fixing stuff or, you know, out fishing or hunting. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people, understand that like the lake kind of moves in these patterns where like at the beginning of the year you you're jigging and then or you're trolling if it's real cold then you start jigging and you just kind of you know move through different types of baits and lures and stuff like that can you give a rundown of like how that looks for you guys when you start fishing like you're you start trolling maybe get to jigging and like how that progresses for you guys throughout the year so the fishing side on the walleye, you know, we, we start in March and it's almost all P10s, bandits, you know, those slow, slow trolling, you know, sometimes 0.9 miles an hour to, you know, 1.5, 1.7, depending on, you know, it's all water temp based. So, you know, we, Alex starts with that. I cannot get my sport craft slower than 1.7. So I usually don't start until after Easter. Um, you know, we really try not to fish any holidays, um, occasionally Memorial Day, but, uh, you know, we really try not to fish holidays. So Easter, we're always off. Um, you know, and then in April, you know, for me on the sport craft, I troll crankbaits, typically bandits, uh, from April through about the second week in May, sometimes the third week. Um, Alex is sticking with, depending on where he's at, you know, obviously, so that migration of fish, you know, we typically start down West, Catawba, Marblehead, you know, Huron even if we can get out early enough. And then we follow those fish down West and follow them back East with Alex's bows. So, you know, that small boat is your typical small boat fishing. So, you know, he's typically running cranks March, April, uh, into May, sometimes even June. Um, if he's fishing further east, you know, I don't know if you know much about the east fishing, but the crankbaits down east are, are, are king. A lot of them guys to only run cranks. Um, but, you know, June, July, he'll typically go to spoons. And then sometimes we end up going back to crankbaits in August and September. If them fish get in the shallows, get in the rocks and things like that. For Alex, the century, the 23 century is basically the same. That boat uh, runs out of Channel Grove as well. We have a dock for that. So that boat uh, is similar 
in the spring, but unlike Alex, who typically makes his way down east, that boat stays you know, in the Marblehead area. So that boat and the sport craft typically fish the same style. So we start, you know, like I said, in cranks in April, into May, and then as soon as I can start fishing True Trip 40 jets, I'm making the switch because I, I would prefer to run the True Trip 40s over just about anything. Those with small spoons, Michigan Stingers, are really how I like to troll. Um, I feel like that's the that's what I do best on the trolling side versus I don't like running harnesses. I can't stand it. Um, and and I'll run the cranks if I have to, but it's not really my my preference. Now, of course, when I went to Lorraine, I had to run, you know, mostly all cranks except for a few weeks. So, you know, I kind of had to learn. I asked a lot of people a lot of questions, you know, like like everything else I've done. I just ask everybody else as many questions as they'll answer and absorb as much info as I can. Um, but once we, uh, you know, once we start trolling spoons, I'll troll spoons as long as the fish tell me otherwise. Some years we troll spoons all the way through the end. Um, some years, you know, as them fish move offshore, it gets warm. Some years we got to switch to harnesses. I think one year somebody in Channel Grove, I think, figured out that, you know, we were having a couple tough days or whatever a couple of years ago. And somebody started running bandits with a two-ounce, you know, a two-ounce weight, six-foot leader, and a bandit. And uh, we did that for a few months, too, and it, it caught fish, you know. So I kind of let the fish tell us what what to use. But as far as the trolling goes, you know, that's the typical transition for us. Crankbaits, you know, into spoons, back into crankbaits to, to finish out our year or harnesses. I don't like running the harnesses, so if I can avoid it, I try to. Um, and then, you know, of course, we do cast for fish. We also troll, or we also jig, I'm sorry. Uh, Alex does all the jig trips. He's very good at it. That Hughescraft has um, a bow mount trolling motor so he can spot lock. If we have no wind, he can, you know, bump it in drift. Um, but he does all the jig trips. He's kind of the jig man. I really don't like it. I, I know a lot of people do. And I hate telling them that that I don't want to do it, but I I don't like it. It's not it's not my skill set. Um, but what I prefer to do is cast. So typically about the second third week in May, I load up with all my clients that have been with me for years that I know like to cast. Some of them will only cast. Some of them will do either. So uh, we load them up in May and June, and then uh, you know if, if we can cast, meaning if we got wind or the fishing is good will cast. If not, I, I suggest to them, you know, one or the other, you know, hey, maybe we don't have any wind today. You know, we might get them casting. A lot of guys, you know, get them casting with no wind, but I usually play the odds in my favor. And uh, if we got no wind, I usually flip over to trolling. Do you have a lot of clients that prefer to troll? Is that kind of like, kind of like the diver thing where like, people want to come up and experience a trolling trip on Lake Erie or how does that work for you guys when you get preferences? I have a little bit of everything. So I have a lot of guys that came to me because I cast and a couple of times we've had to troll and they've said, Oh, well this, this is different. You let us do stuff. So just like in the hunting, you know, I let, I let clients net fish. I let clients set rods about the only thing I don't let them do is drive the boat. Um, yep. You know, other than that, I really let them. And I have some guys that are uh, phenomenal. I mean, they, they're as good as any first mate on the lake. You know, it's all six of them sometimes. 
so I really kind of have had the same people for so long now. Um, they kind of just a lot of times say, Hey, you know, just tell us what we're doing, you know, and through the network, if the casting is great, you know, and, and I know they can cast because that, you know, not everybody can cast. I have a lot of family groups of small kids and I'm sure we could work through it and catch fish casting. Um, but as you know, the trolling is such a productive way to harvest fish, you know, you know, when you got a seven-year-old kid, if you're not catching fish casting, they lose interest and, you know, you want them to come back, you know, for a multitude of reasons, you know, number one, you want that them to have a good experience. Um, but number two, you know, I've built my business on, on repeat clients. So I want them back, you know, um, we, I, I would go for a hundred percent rebooking if I could get it. Um, we're close. We're, we're very high up. We have a lot of people that, that rebook as soon as they, you know, they're there that day. Um, you know, they, they have the same trip every year, you know, they, they don't even, they just know, you know, so I have some guys that won't troll at all. I have some guys that don't care. And I have some people that prefer to troll for the simple reason that it's a way to harvest fish. They know it's going to be successful. They know that they're going to be interactive. They know they're going to, you know, the kids are going to get to do stuff. Everybody learns. And, you know, it just, it's a good mix of what to do, you know? Yeah. It's kind of learning every possible way that you can, that you can catch uh, walleye on Lake Erie. Like it's, I've learned it myself. I mean, I didn't start walleye fishing until really I moved out here. So, you know, 2015, 2016, oh, wow. I, I didn't, I didn't really have any interest in trying to catch walleye. And then I started going with friends and I was like, you know, it's different. You know, I, I, I like the kind of the hunt of bass fishing where like, you're just moving, you're, you're skipping under docks, you're tossing into heavy cover, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I like having the trolling motor and, you know, just kind of I'm, I'm more interactive, I guess, when I'm bass fishing. But I mean, it's hard to beat walleye. I mean, like it, there isn't in my opinion, I don't think that there's a better tasting fish, freshwater fish, at least. And right. it's it, it, and it's so plentiful in Lake Erie. Like we have some of the best hatches that we've ever had in the last five years even somebody like me that was just learning and just like going out and going to a bait shop and saying, what are they catching them on? Purple hair jigs. All right, I'll take two of them in case I snag on one. And then you go out there and I mean, you can, I've caught six or my six, I've caught one, I've caught three. Like it's, it's, it's not very difficult in a sense. I mean, it gets very difficult throughout the year. There's right. definitely periods throughout the year where the fish change and it's hard to pattern them. It's hard to catch them. Totally get that. When it's hot, that's when it's fun. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and I'm no different. Like I said, I grew up a bass guy too. You know, I, same thing. You know, I, I like to fish structure. So when I when I started the walleye fishing, you know, just for fun, you know, a lot of them guys at, at work, didn't troll or they would only troll if they absolutely had to um yeah but they preferred to cast and um, i won't give out the the little spots that they that they taught me where to fish but um it's it was a great casting spot uh, you know on certain winds it was it was awesome and um you know so I, the transition from bass fishing to casting for walleye for me was a pretty smooth and easy one once i yeah. figured 
that structure is different in the lake. You know, depth changes of as small as two foot, sometimes one foot can make a difference. You know, so so once I figured that out and, you know, was taught by everybody and their brother across, you know, the whole lake on how to cast and where to cast, you know, it was a smooth transition. It was fun for me. When I came to Channel Grove, you know, I'd never fished the islands. I had literally fished, you know, basically one spot. If they weren't there, I just went home. You know, it was no big deal. Just go home, you know, fish a couple hours, go home. Um, but when I started chartering, you know, you can't do that. You know, you can't just throw in the towel and go home. You know, so you got to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot casting. Uh, I started trolling out of necessity. I had got, you know, I got my butt kicked pretty hard one day jig fishing. And, uh, you know, all the guys, I, I could hear them trolling. I could watch them. They're trolling circles around me. And um, I said, well, you know, I, I don't got to be the best, uh, but I'm certainly not going to be the worst. So I, I bugged the out of all of them and i had always said i would never troll never troll and i i couldn't i just couldn't take not producing so i figured out how to troll and a lot of guys showed me a lot of things along the way so you know we do a very um i would say i probably troll more than we cast simply because the amount of family groups that i have you know most of my groups are families um, it's what i like it's kind of what it's become um, so most, you know, most of my trips are more family based. You know, we, we don't really load up, you know, super heavy in May and June and then, you know, not slow down. It's a pretty even number of trips for me every single month. You know, it, it doesn't, I, I run less in April because it's early. Um, you know, I'm limited to what I can do with boat control on that big sport craft. Um, <clears throat> but but it's a pretty even number every month. So we kind of really span it out and, you know, we used to perch fish quite a bit. Obviously that tailed off the previous couple of years. This year it seemed like maybe it was coming back and, you know, I would prefer to walleye fish, but man, I really miss some of them perch fishing days of, you know, catching fish as fast as humanly possible. So I hope that comes back because a lot of my people I think would, would appreciate going back to some of those perch trips. Yeah, I think perch fishing would be good for kids, too. It's super easy. I mean, like, it's easy enough that you, you just drop it down and yes. they just kind of hold it there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. When that we, would fall um, right into what you guys like. Yeah, we had you we had done, you basically, from July through October, most of my trips the first couple of years were, were perch. You know, some walleye, but mostly perch. Um, and then... I forget what year it was that they really kind of started declining. We ran fewer and fewer. And I, you know, I just tell people like, Hey, you know, I know you booked a perch trip, but you know, it was really tough for a couple of years. And I tell them, you know, if you want to go, we'll still go. We'll give it, give it hell. But you know, I really think you should switch the walleye, you know, it was a more expensive trip because of the fuel and the time. But uh, most of them have trusted me throughout the years to, to make those decisions best for them. And, you know, it would be nice to just go back because I do have several guys that, that really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, if we can have a good perch fishing season like we did this past year, you know, it would be nice to go back and do a few more. Yeah, I, I, it's it's so so different compared to any other body of water that like it's it flipped. Like the the perch fishing, you could go out, you could anchor your boat in one spot, catch 30, you're 30 fish for the boat and come in you're yeah. done 
And now it's like people are out. I've gone out trying to do it. And I struggle for five hours and catch 10 perch. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's this- like it, it turned into, I think it was what the sand fleas or something that started, started kind of, that's what they d- determined was the, the, yeah. the reason that people couldn't catch them very well. Yeah. I, I, that's kind of what I had gathered from them. You know, they kept saying the ODNR kept saying, oh, there's fish are here. The fish are here, but man, it was, it was frustrating for them a couple of years. You know, so I hope it comes back. I'm no fish biologist by any means. Um, you know, and I haven't been fishing this lake my entire life like some guys that have seen the cycles. Um, but, I mean, hopefully they come back. It would be nice for a lot of people to, to get back into that. Yeah. Do you notice that your your trips are any more or less stressful during fishing season as opposed to duck hunting season just because of the amount of traffic that's on the lake? Um, the duck hunting is far more stressful because you, I don't feel like you can control it as much. So, you know, you're at the mercy of the weather and the migration. And if the weather's 80 and the migration's not coming, you know, there's only so much you can do. You know, obviously it's a schedule, it's a business. Um, so, you know, we try to go, you know, we, we gotta go basically, you know, because I have taken time off work or we, you know, these people have hotels you know, um, but I would say by far they're longer hours. You know, sometimes I get up at one o'clock in the morning, sometimes two. I'm always up by by three or four. Um, the fishing is just not it's not like that. The boat traffic is more intense for sure around the islands. It can be pretty, pretty daunting trying to troll. I don't run a first mate on on the sport craft. So, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, I'm from the back of the boat to the front of the boat, the back of the boat to the front of the boat to to drive and correct and stay out of everybody's way you know and the rules of the road some people follow some people don't but ultimately you know it's it's up to you to you know to keep everybody safe and not hit somebody you know uh, even if you might want to you know you you can't do that so <laughs> um, you know and all the while trying to catch fish net fish take fish off you know stay on fish um so there is some stress with that but by far it's way harder at least i think on me during the duck season i would agree i mean there's days that i can get up and fish i can get up at eight o'clock and go catch fish but like if you're not out on the lake by five o'clock then and you're trying to set huge diver spreads and stuff and trying to get to spots especially if you get out there and the wind wasn't exactly how it said it was going to be and you got to take it slower and be safer there's just a lot that goes into it i know for me i'm way more stressed and i don't I don't make money off of like I'm not guiding or anything yeah. and it's just like the the stress of duck season just really gets to you. It it really does. You know, it's great when it's good, but when it's tough, you know, it's it's hard, you know, that wind switches, um, you know, and and I don't really give a ramp location until the night before. So for the new clients, you know, they they do they all do the same thing and um I tell them the same thing every time. They all ask me, you know, month out, where are we going? What time? And I say, well, I don't know. And then a week later, hey, where are we going? What time? So I don't know. You know, so I feel bad for them because the new the new clients that we do get, we get a handful of new ones every year. Obviously, we keep a pretty high return rate, but um you know, the new ones, I tell them, listen, this is how it goes. You know, I know it's frustrating. Bear with me. I'm not putting you off, you know. Um, because that wind changes so, so much, you know, 
the other day we were out and it was supposed to be southwest well get out in the morning and and there's a pretty good west roll coming down the shoreline so i talked to another captain who who we network with pretty much daily we talk and uh you know i talked back and forth with him so where i was gonna go i couldn't go so we went to a different spot and it ended up being fine but uh you know that that wind on the lake she she is not your friend by any means no. it's it's never your friend when you think it is it switches or you know the and then you got underwater currents depending on where you're hunting um it's just there's a lot that goes into it you're in the morning you know you can't usually see i mean obviously we have lights and things like that but yeah it's way more stressful it's it's a it's a shorter season no doubt um but it's it's way more stressful as far as that now obviously i've had some bad mechanical problems with boats over the years um you know as far as the engines and things like that that i've gone through on the fishing side but um i i don't know i kind of feel like you kind of can roll with that a little better but the duck hunting is such a season you know you got to jam everything in as much as you can and you know, I get if I get up at three, I don't get home till three. You know, we hunt typically till around noon. By the time we get back to the ramp, it's one one thirty. Um, you know, I got to clean up the boat, I got to tarp the boat, I got to bring it home. If it's cold, I got to put a heater in. You know, thaw it out for the next day. I got food that I cook. I got to prep. You know, we have heaters on the boat, so if we run out of propane, we got to do that. It just there's a lot to every single day. Um, you know, that goes into it. So for yeah. sure that duck hunting i would say is way more stressful um in my opinion for for at least what i do yeah no i totally agree and it's uh it it varies as well you know there's people that they live for it and like obviously we we all live for duck season and you know love the chase of it and stuff but there's some people that just that's where they're that's where they're comfortable. They don't like the boats around them during fishing season. They don't like the stress of like that traffic that they have to deal with. And like duck season kind of gives them that solitude where like you're basically on your own. For sure. You're on your, there ain't nobody to help you unless you got friends. You know, I seen the other day, both US guys were pulling their boats out of the water um, due to the temps, you know, which I mean, you know, it is what it is, but when you duck on, you know, it's definitely a different breed of of people no doubt because you're it's you there's nobody unless you got somebody else out that day it's you you know so you know we got a kicker on the duck boat for that specific reason you know i've rode a kicker in <laughs> more times than i care to um you know so that's why i run the kicker on that boat for the safety aspect of it may not get you home but it'll put you on somebody's beach at the very least and you can figure out from there yeah that's very smart too i mean there's so many small things that you can do to just prepare yourself for like anything that might happen like now i not solely for this reason but like i have a bow mount trolling motor that i am leaving on during duck season just in case like obviously i like it for picking up birds and stuff and when you're tending using spot lock that stuff's all cool and it's just basically a luxury but also like you need a little propulsion just in case something were to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's I'm going to run a kicker home, you know, 10 miles, but it'll put you somewhere. You right. Know, it'll at least get you, you know, somewhere. So that's, that's, that's a good idea to have that bow mount as well. Cause Absolutely. you don't have a kicker on that boat, right? I do not. Nope. 
I've tried. It doesn't really like fit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when you fish with that, you use your bow mount to troll, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which it works. Nice by, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's, uh, what's up coming down the pipeline for old Lakeshore charters? Uh, so, you know, obviously we're still in duck season. I'm off until next Sunday. I got some family time coming up a couple days at the firehouse. And then I I take a pretty good hiatus. Uh, starting on Sunday, we run 21 straight days to finish out my season on ducks. And, uh, you know, next year I, I don't got anything big planned. We're not, we're not adding another boat. Um, I don't think we're adding any more captains unless anybody's looking I'm, I, we can always use somebody on that 23. So, you know, Phil has some limited schedule due to his full-time job. Um, you know, Alex fishes as much as he can with his full-time job. Um, but a big thing for me, I'm, I'm personally wise, uh, I'm trying to get that shop built as fast as possible. Uh, my de- everything was frozen solid the other day. Um, you know, we had to kind of alter a few things because of it. And um, the Old Lakeshore Chargers needs a, a big shop. So if anybody uh, knows anybody that, that can build one, give me a shout because we're, we're going to be looking here sooner rather than later, I hope. It's uh, having a shop of any sort <laughs> is a, just a godsend. Oh, dude, every time I see your videos, I'm like, man, I need something like that. My new one's such an upgrade from my old one, and actually, it's a it's a little bit smaller, but the way that it's laid out, there's way more like storage in it. It's just right. Right. night and day difference. Well, your old one had stone, right? It was dirt. Yeah, this one's not right. It's concrete. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. It's a yeah. massive difference. I figured it was. I know every time I see it, I'm like, man, I need I need me that. I need something something like that in my life. Yours is probably going to end up nicer than mine, especially the way that you're rolling. That's going to take a while. (laughs) I got a lot to pay off before we get that far. We've we've (laughs) expanded and expanded and expanded. So it's time to time to slow down for a hot minute. Catch back up. Hey, but that's part of running a business. Yeah, we've been fortunate. Like I said, it's it's been a good, good move. I didn't think it was going to turn into this when I started it, uh, you know, seven eight years ago i had no idea you know i thought it would take me at the time i had 17 more years to go in the fire service uh before i had the opportunity to retire and i thought ah you know by the time i retire you know it'll be it'll be where i want it and it uh, absolutely exploded i totally underestimated you know all of it every everything about it so that's so it's cool though i mean like it's it's awesome to see your success i i get i get excited when i see people that are referring you and uh i'm just i'm stoked for you i'm i'm happy to see what i'm excited to see what's gonna come in the future for you guys i appreciate that and i think that you might know what's coming but at the end of all these episodes i like to ask the guest if you could take on one more hobby what would be the hobby that you'd take on oh man I wouldn't mind like going down and catching some alligators or something cool like that down in the swamps. Something, that something be... a little different. Yeah, something different. Uh, something as as terrifying. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not very dangerous, man. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a wild man by any stretch. I'm pretty boring. But um, 
you know, I could get on board with, with catching some alligators. That'd be all right. Down in the swamps, running airboats and stuff. I, I'd be on board with that. I think it'd be a, that would be a really cool experience. And if you start getting into it a little bit more, like I, I can't imagine the kinds of stories you'd come up with. Yeah, we're not going to offer any guided alligator hunts anytime soon, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't for sure. That'd be really cool. Well, man, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. I, I, I'm I always following along. I love the pictures that you guys post. I love what you're doing. And uh, feel free to plug anything that you want. Yeah, for sure, man. If anybody's looking, uh, you can give me a shout on the phone, 419-541-0765, or hit us up on the Facebook, Old Lakeshore Charters, or on our website at oldlakeshorecharters.com. And you won't regret it. No. I appreciate I, it, Jared. I, Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. We'll see you later. Hey, buddy.